We welcome you now to a true church perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis. God has no problem with believers judging the condition of other believers' hearts when it's righteous judgment. Yeah. If what you're doing is not lining up with the word, God does not have an issue. Matter of fact, he told you, if you find your brother in a fault, go do what? Go to him. How you going to go to him if you, if you don't judge him? You say, no, nah, I can't judge because I got my own little stuff. Then your brother just going to die and go to hell. Well, I don't do everything. The Bible, God didn't ask you, did you do everything right? He said, go tell your brother. When you see him about to fall, you go talk to him. Now, if you finna fall for the same thing, then don't go. Both of you gonna fall. Brother, you're drinking a little too much. Brother, your breath smell like Hennessy. You want something? Go on, give me some, man. I don't even know why I came to you. I know I came. I wanted some. <laughs> But God has no, he don't have a problem judging the condition of other believers' hearts when it's his judgment. And we're not judging people for outward things, right? And we definitely don't judge people because we have self-esteem issues. That's the biggest problem in the church. We point fingers at people because of self-esteem issues. But finger pointing is inconsistent because for some you point fingers at, for others you hold your fingers. See, without God's righteous judgment, you're going to pull your finger back on some that you like more than others. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, the, yeah, what's good for the goose is good for the what? Yeah, so don't be pointing fingers if you ain't going to point the finger at everybody that requires a finger pointing. And that's including you, too. That's why we have to stick to righteous judgment and let the word be the balance. Let the word be where we, the, our foundation for judgment. Because the word is going to be consistent all the way across. So if we keep the word, our basis will stay consistent in our righteous judgment. Amen? That's why I, I don't like churches like that. I, I, I just, you know, I grew up watching that. You know, the musician get a pass for everything. Just because you need him. You need him so he can get away with murder. They showing him on TV. And he's still playing. Well, you don't know you wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, but then somebody you don't like got to come get the mic and confess sin in front of the pulpit, in front of everybody. Oh, somebody grew up in a church like that. Amen. Make you get up and, oh, y'all, I fell last night. I'll tell it all now. Tell it. Are you going to tell yours? That's what I would turn around and say. What in, what, come on. There's, there's, there's a whole lot of mics in here. Let's all get one. Amen. But the musician has a body in the trunk of his car, still alive, bumping and junk, out in the parking lot, cars moving. Wait till the choir finish singing. That's not fair. And that's not right. That's not right. That's not righteous judgment. You got to judge everybody the same. Everybody, amen. There's nobody special. The Bible said they had all things. What? What? In common. All things in common. 
So that means there was nobody greater where they can't be disciplined or they can't be told this or that. No, no, no. We all the same. The word of God judges and God's people do what? Administer the judgment. So the word of God judges, but God is just not going to depend on you to read the word and discipline yourself. He's going to elect people to help him. Yeah, he's going to put a pastor over you. Yeah, I mean, you think you're any better than his people Israel? What did he put over Israel? Judges. Yeah, so he ain't going to depend on you because like I said last week, you're going to judge yourself on a curve. And give yourself a pass. But I give myself a 90. No, it should be a 40. <laughs> give me that pin. <laughs> you can't judge yourself. Because it's stuff you can't see. Amen. And that's why God uses the pastor to watch over your soul. Because it's stuff the pastor is going to see that you can't see. You don't believe that? That's what church is. Then when you start dealing with demons and stuff, God starts showing you spiritual stuff. Yeah, man, I, I, I wish I could turn off some of the stuff I'm seeing after I did this part 12. I did this part 12, and I mean, I wake up hearing folks, seeing folks. I mean, it's just crazy. I tapped into something. I'm like, Lord, can I get out now? I'm done with the message. I took the, what, the one-month break. I took about three weeks off. I'm like, I'm done with the message. Why am I still in this realm hearing this stuff and seeing this stuff? God is saying, I'm preparing you and the church for war. It's coming. Amen. So, John 7 and 24 says, judge not according to what? Appearance. But judge what? That means take your eyes off of them. And judge according to the Bible. What does the Bible say about that? That's how you judge. Now, in order to judge that, you got to first know what the Bible says about that. That's why it needs to be someone that is not, the Bible says, not a novice, but mature in the faith to pass righteous judgment. Because you got to know the righteousness of God in order to judge righteously. All right? I love when people say, you know what, I ain't touching that. I ain't touching that because, you know, that's, that's out of my league. That's out of my good. Don't touch it. Get somewhere and sit down. And let those that are mature and seasoned in the faith deal with that. That's a mature issue. Amen. So you can't have it. And the Bible said, don't, have, don't, don't even have a novice in position to pass judgment. Yeah, because you got to know. You got to know. What you're talking about and what you're doing. You gotta, in order to judge righteously, you got to know the righteousness of God. It is impossible to even parent without judging. Your kids are going to be terrible if you don't judge them. Amen. Anybody got, ever got a whooping and didn't know why until it was over? See, y'all don't know. Y'all, y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. Y'all don't know. My daddy, I mean, he sometimes he just didn't even care to tell me. Just went to beating. And then after it was over, that's because your teacher called. It was always my teacher's calling. I should have known. Should have got used to that. It's impossible to even parent without judging. You can't supervise. Do you know you can't even be a manager on your job without judging? You can't be in charge of anything without judging. 
you have to go to the higher person and say, this employee is, is, is crap. That's judging. What if they say, you can't judge? Well, then what am, how am I a supervisor? You tell everybody what to do. Okay, but what if they don't do it? You just can't say nothing. Then you're not a supervisor. The actions of a person always tells their intent. So when the actions are wrong, we should do what? We should judge. The actions of a person, not what they say. The actions tells what? It tells the intent all the time. First Corinthians eleven thirty two. But when we are judged, the Bible says, man, you really want to be judged. Because when you're judged, you're chastened of who? The Lord. So that means he's coming to you to stop you so that you will not be condemned with the world. So in order to escape the great white throne of judgment and be put in hell, let me judge you right now so you can fix it and live. Look at somebody and say, thank the Lord for judgment. Man, a a father that could care less about his children, let them do whatever they want to do. But a father that loves his children... Don't mind somebody else administering judgment. I wish they would have called my daddy and said, uh, brother, we, you know, we really want to paddle him, you know, but we'll, we'll send him home. So my daddy be like, get him. Get him. And then when he get home, he's getting more. That means my dad loved me enough to punish me to make me stop. But if you don't care about them, you're going to let them just keep doing it. You're going to let them die in it. We do not know the end of a person. So we can't, but we can judge the present. So we can't judge the end of them, but we definitely better judge the present. And you know, I'm not having a bunch of folks around me going to hell on my watch. You close to me, you going to heaven with me. This is the only way to bring about repentance and a change in a person's behavior. Without righteous judgment, we are not loving. Without righteous judgment, you're not loving your brother. 1 Corinthians 5 and 12 says, For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? I can't judge sinners. But do not ye judge them that are where? Within? We're supposed to judge those that are within. So if you call yourself a brother, we need to talk about it. Can I keep preaching? We should not judge others for behaviors that we ourselves are not addressing. Now that's just crazy. Amen. Don't judge them for behaviors that you're not addressing. Address your behaviors. That's all you got to do. Do you ever ask God, God, what do you think of me? Be careful. How many of you know he's an honest God? <laughs> God, what do you think of me? <laughs> Phone ring. Hello? Hey, what's up, Jive Turkey? <laughs> Who is this? Boy, it's your cousin. I'm just letting you know you trash. <laughs> Why? I don't know. I have no idea. Goodbye. <laughs> Thanks, Lord. 
I mean, God ain't playing. He goes, the, I mean, before you finish praying that prayer, because he doesn't want you to hurt you. He don't want you endangering you. Man, you your worst enemy. Get yourself in trouble listening to you. <laughs> hey, anybody ever got in trouble listening to themselves? Yes, all the trouble you got in was because of that. All of the trouble. Even when somebody else suggested it, your mind played it first. They suggested it, it got in your head, and your head rationalized, rationalized it. You didn't want to do it, you just got away. But if you already have these barriers set up, man, I've been through that. I'm not going through that again. You know why you don't do some of the things you used to do? Because somebody judged you. Oh. 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 You know why there's been a change and a rearranging of your life? And you can sing that song, the things I used to do, I don't do no more. The places I used to, I don't go no more. The people I used to hang with, I don't hang with no. You know how you got like that? Because somebody said, uh, bruh, yeah, you, you, you really should stop that. That's not lining up with the scriptures. You're going to get yourself in trouble. And that's growth. That's why the Bible says sound in the faith. Sound in the faith just means you've been in it a while. Not only being in it, but you've actively applied the things in your tenure in it. We must not allow righteous, we must not only righteously judge others, but we should first do what? Judge what? Now, how do you know the condition of your own heart unless somebody tell you? And can you handle it when they tell you? Amen. Yeah. That's how we know we mature. That's how we know we in the faith because somebody can tell us about our heart. We can hear it and we can take heed. Matthew 75. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, then thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. So before you go dealing with something that you struggling with, bro, go, go, go quit struggling. This is not to say that a person that has, this is not to say that a person has to be perfect before they can judge the actions of others. If this were true, we would not, we would be unfit to even punish our own children because we were once guilty of similar transgressions. So you don't have to have everything right in order to righteously judge. Oh, I can't get an amen on that because nobody's perfect. If that's the qualification, there is no judgment. 1 Corinthians 6 and 51, speak to your shame. It is so that there is not a wise man among you. No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brothers. What is Paul saying? He's saying, basically, is there not anyone mature enough to judge this matter? Because they all looking at each other like, well, we all have, have had sin. We all have messed up. We all have fallen or whatever. So, so you know, we got to go to law and let the law settle it. And God is saying, no, you don't. Just because you've made mistakes or errors in the past doesn't disqualify you from judging. If you are mature in the faith, then you've overcome those things and you are able to administer righteous judgment. That's why we got to quit letting our past talk to us. You got to stop letting your past mistakes haunt you and depress you and cause anxiety in you. Make you feel unworthy to even help someone else. 
Our paths should never conflict with God's righteousness. Despite our imperfections, we must uphold the truth of God's word in teaching and what? So in spite of it, our, 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 in spite of our, um, our issues and everything or imperfections, we have to uphold the truth of God's word in teaching and in application. Titus 1 and 13, this witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be what? The Bible is telling you right there, people won't get sound in the faith unless you rebuke them what? Sharply. The word does that on Sundays. Sometimes it requires a meeting and a sit down. But you got to be rebuked sharply because that's how we grow. Man, the minute you sign up, anybody ever been in boot camp, real boot camp? I mean, first day you're the most hated person in the world. He going to come to you and tell you how much of trash you really are. You little maggot, you're going to come in my squad. You think you get down and give me the, the, like, uh, uh. But then by the time it's over, you ready to yell at somebody else like that. You little maggot, would you? Yeah, made you sound. And that wasn't in the face, but that was in whatever they had you in. They conditioned you to where you were tougher. Had to make you tough. They can't send you out in Vietnam with a AR-15 and you crying. <laughs> you done shot yourself and the squadron leader. Dangerous. So they got to make you tough. They make you tough by rebuking you sharply. You make one little mistake. That's not how you hold that gun, you trash. Because <laughs> you're endangering everyone around you if you don't hold it right. Man, I'm preaching, buddy. Y'all, y'all just ain't ready. This message is too deep. You're endangering everyone around you if you're not doing it right. So you got to be rebuked sharply. Especially if you're going to war. One person get the whole platoon killed. Mishandled a grenade. Oops. <laughs> Titus 1 and 13. This witness is true. Wherefore, rebuke them sharply that they may be sound in what? The faith. When we allow those around us to continue waywardly, what happens to us? You become wayward. Yeah, you'll become whatever you're around. There's no way you can be around it and not become it. If you're around waywardness, you're going to be wayward. When we allow those around us to continue waywardly, we become wayward. This distorts the truth in our eyes and causes us to create loopholes for their behavior. Not only did you become wayward, now you taken up for the waywardness. Well, God understand, he knows their heart. He knows their heart, but their knife is in somebody's heart. What about that heart? This distorts our eyesight. We can't even see straight no more. We can't even see what's right anymore because we've defended what is wrong for so long. Creating loopholes for their behavior. You know how they do at funerals? Everybody go to heaven. Dude, they, they couldn't even give him an open casket so many bullets in his face. He got shot up while he was shooting somebody, robbing a liquor store. Oh, but only God knows his heart. Nah, man. You know too. <laughs> I was locking my windows and doors when he would come around. I know his heart. Amen? Hide your purse when, when cousin Woodrow come over. 
Who's coming? Uh, that's Cousin Wizard at the door. Girl, you better get this stuff out of here. Get that, get, get that purse. Get them necklaces. Take that, get that hair and bone off. Get your, you better get that. What's up, Woodrow? Y'all gonna let me haul something? All right, then. Shot up in a liquor store robbery. Just kidding. But at the funeral, Woodrow, see, you don't understand. Deep, I mean, so deep in his heart that couldn't nobody see it. So deep in his heart, it wasn't even in his heart. It was somebody else's heart. It was that deep. He loved the Lord. Deep in another dimension of his heart. <laughs> Man, you're just going to really put him in heaven, ain't you? They came put the warrants for his arrest on the casket. It's like, I've never seen that before. It's like, somebody is going to pay these. But, <laughs> picture in the program is a mugshot. That's the only picture we got of him. You just creating loopholes, and that's what, and you know what? That's what happened to him. Nobody would hold him to what he really did and how he was really behaving. Everybody kept kept creating loopholes for him to go to heaven, and that blood is on everybody's hands who did it. This distorts the truth in our eyes and causes us to create loopholes. Our gospel truth is trumped by their immorality. First Corinthians said, "Do not be deceived and misled. Evil companionship." communion, associations, corrupt, and do what? Deprave good manners and morals and characters. Oh, but it gets deeper. Close people in our lives that are carnal and not spiritual bookmark us. It just puts a, book, it just puts a placeholder there and keeps you there. You ain't going past that. You ain't going past the bookmark. You'll get lost. The bookmark is telling you where you stop so you can pick up right there. Close people in our lives that are carnal and not spiritual, they bookmark us and hold us in the same state. We cannot progress spiritually because they are against our maturation. They won't let us mature. You can't mature and keep them. They are directly implicated by our spiritual progression. Directly. Your spiritual progression implicates them. That's why they surround themselves with carnal people. Folks that's doing what they're doing so they can feel good in it. Because the minute they put somebody that's not doing what they're doing in their life, it's going to challenge them to do better. They are directly implicated by our spiritual progression. And to keep them comfortable, we must what? Digress spiritually. Amos 3 and 3. Can two walk together except they what? Be agreed. This causes us to have issue with those that spiritually mature. We will begin to have issues with those that preach, teach, and admonish us to press toward God's mark. Galatians 4 and 16. Am I therefore become your enemy because I do what? Because I'm challenging you to mature, to move forward, to be better, to dump dead wood and riffraff and clean your life. Am, am I becoming your enemy? Summary! Because Jesus was considered a controversial figure, he drew the likes of all men. When you're controversial, everybody try to follow you. The folks that support you try to follow you because they want to help support you. The folks that don't support you want to follow you because they want to find out what you're talking about. Many of the sinners that approached him wanted freedom from sin. He preached truth and declared that if they desire him, they must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow him. 
He welcomed those that accepted his truth and turned from sin. So people always say, well, Jesus hung out with the sinners. Jesus ain't hung out with nobody. That's ridiculous. Jesus, no, he didn't. People came to him because he was controversial. So the sinners came and wanted to know. And some of them accepted and some of them didn't. Am I right? He preached truth and declared it. He welcomed those that accepted his truth and turned from sin. However, he took issue with those that refused his way and plotted against him. Every time they would come, they would ask Jesus a question and he'd be looking at them like, I know you've been talking about me. He would flip it on them. Make them ask themselves a question. Oh, I love that. Man, that, you have to be God to do that. And he would trip them up and they'd, just be, they'd leave madder than they was when they first came. <laughs> They're going to kill me anyway, so I might as well tell them everything I'm thinking. <laughs> Amen. But he took issue with those that refused his way and plotted against him. The Pharisees rested their salvation upon their kinship to Abraham. As a result, when Jesus spoke, they felt above his teachings. He's talking to them, just the normal people, but we don't have to hear it and receive it because we're the seed of Abraham. They were only concerned with preserving their lifestyle and deeds, not the people's salvation. When someone around you refuses to accept your truth, you got two choices. <clears throat> either way, I mean, either part ways and solidify your stance for Christ or keep them in your life and diminish your witness. That's it. Two choices. These type of people will either change you or secretly what? God told me something, and this, this is, you know, I was talking to a preacher that I really trust. He's just one of my... I guess I would say he's a part of my counsel when it comes to making real mature decisions because he's been in the faith for a very long time and he's just wise. So I go to him about certain things that I, you know, I'm not privy to, I'm, I ain't experienced it or I, you know, want to bounce something off of him or whatever, but I trust him. And he told me one time, he said, he said, G. Craig, he said, you better keep folks from around you that's not receiving what you're saying. I said, what do you mean? He said, it's impossible for somebody to follow you and not listen to you and not hate you. In other words, if you're preaching against what they're doing and they stay around you, they're going to hate you. I mean, when they hit the door and get in the car, they're talking about you. There's no way you can stay around someone that's preaching a truth against you and not hate them. I didn't know no better. It happened to me like four or five times. Then I started listening to him. I was like, you right. I should have done something about that. But I fall in love. I'm just like, man, maybe God is going to, maybe God. So I tell people all the time, y'all think I'm the mean one. Sabathia's the mean one. I'm so nice. I, I, tell them, baby, I, she got to protect me from, from folks. Because I fall in love with folks. I will give you, I just, I, I, you know, I, I just have a, that's my heart. I have a tough exterior. It just tries to scare you. But I ain't going to do nothing. I'm going to be at home crying and sobbing. My wife just like, will you get over it? They don't like you. Like, baby, you ain't going to hug me and say that? Golly, man. Dog. Landon to tell you, Jonathan to tell you, man, I'm the one that's always boots and a overcoat. Would somebody do me wrong? I just, oh, come and think. Somebody's like, no, I know. No. 
<laughs> but really though, I just, I mean, you know, because I'll be just like, give him a chance. But he told me, he said, man, you are going to have health problems if you don't learn that you can't keep people around you that's talking about you. And this is what the Pharisees was trying to do. You know, ain't it funny how they was always there? <laughs> Have you ever thought about it? They was always there. Just always there. Why? Why, why you around? Jesus was like, why you around talking about me? But when someone around you refuses to accept truth, you have two choices. Either part ways and solidify your stance for Christ or keep them in your life and diminish your witness. These types of people will either change you or secretly despise you. How can you preach against someone's lifestyle while expecting them to love you for it if they refuse to change? If they was always there, the Pharisees was always there. Always there. Always there. Folk getting good word. Good word. Soon as the message is over, <laughs> Jesus, if you be the son of God, <laughs> like you say, why don't you? And Jesus was disturbed by that. He got so disturbed one time, he said, you know what? <laughs> Y'all acting just like y'all's father. Who, Abraham? He said we acting like Abraham. Nah, not Abraham. He said, if Abraham was your father, you'd like me. But you seek to kill me because you acting like your real father, the devil. The Jews decided to execute Jesus rather than submit to his truth. He judged righteously and they were what? They were offended at righteous judgment because they weren't righteous. A person that's not righteous is going to be offended by righteous judgment. Man, that's why I like that burning hell, boy. That, that, man, Esther Sparkle was just spitting truth. He didn't care who. Boy came in. <laughs> Preacher. <laughs> we was on a gravel road and that kid, he just lost control and his head came off and everything. It was still in the helmet. He was dead, man. I just, but before you even finish, man, I just got to know one thing. He's not going to hell, is he? I'm afraid he is. He said, chances are he's burning in the flames of hell right now. He said, but I'm worried about you. <laughs> man, what happened to like that folks get deceived and then it's your fault ain't gonna be no blood on my hands I'm telling folks the truth when we righteously judge others we are hated when we preach against sin they look for error in us not realizing that we all have error yet the gospel we preach is a call to perfection 1 Corinthians 5 and 11 says but now I have written unto you not to keep company don't keep company if a man that is saved or says he is saved, a man that calls himself a brother, if he be a fornicator, meaning he's practicing a lifestyle of immorality, sexual immorality, or covetous. Covetous, meaning he's doing stuff to get stuff that he shouldn't be doing. An idolater, meaning that he has idols in his life. A railer. You know what a railer is? Definition of a railer is to utter bitter complaints. It's the Pharisees. 
Paul was calling out the Pharisees in this passage. Because what did they do? They hung around Jesus and did what? They uttered bitter complaints to challenge him. So that when people hear it, they start doubting. Even the people that was really listening and believing, the minute they hear that chatter, that bitter complaint, that issue, what do they do? It's like, well, maybe, hmm, you might be, maybe you got something there. And it causes doubt. And it causes people to go to hell. Or a drunkard. That's somebody that just, just drunk. <laughs> I ain't got to break that word down. Man, you just, you just inebriated. <laughs> got to drink to sleep. Got to drink to eat. Got to drink to wake up. Dude, you got to drink to wake up? You got an IV by the bed. <laughs> just dripping the jack in your vein. <laughs> oh yeah, idolater, railer, or just drunk, or an extortioner. The Bible said, with such a one, don't do what? Now, you got to understand what eating means. Eating means, in this passage, in the New Testament, fellowship. Because when you broke bread, you were of like mind. You never broke bread with somebody not of like mind. So if you were going to feed someone that wasn't of like mind or like heart, you would toss them the bread along the way. <laughs> Here you go. I know you're hungry. Feed your family. I right, then. Because the minute you sat down to dine with them, there was a union there. And the Bible says, light and dark can't do that. For what have I to do to judge them also that are without? He's like, man, I can't judge sinners. But if they're saved, I'm supposed to judge them. Do not ye judge them that are within, but them that, were, that are without who judges. So at the end, God's going to judge the sinner. Therefore, judge. That's what he said. Therefore, put away from among yourselves that wicked person. What wicked person? Fornicator, covetous, idolater, railer, drunkard, extortioner. Those that you're not even supposed to eat with, put them away, according to the scripture. You've been listening to A True Church Perspective with Pastor G. Craig Lewis, founder of EX Ministries and pastor of the Adamant Believers Council in North Richland Hills, Texas. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to be a financial blessing to us, please send your donation to EX Ministries, P.O. Box 24870, Fort Worth, Texas 76124 or donate online at exministries.com.